Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> it may be the nighttime. But the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local. And not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Live with you here in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening with you for the full four. Asking to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone. Take the Alexa speakers. Take the tablet. Take your Intellivision, your Coleco, your Lightbrite, your Palm Pilot, whatever your device is. Just download it on something to be able to catch us. When you're on the go, social media, you can find us at Nitro on the Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, the best way to be a part of the show, follow me on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. That, of course, your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. No shock that as we start a new week here, I have no idea where my producer is. So, young Garrett is in with us this evening as. Uh, He'll be here with us, so uh, he is our I producer. I am your producer. Well, yes, producer. For, college, for college football game there time on Saturdays, you are you are <laughs> a producer. But the executive producer of this show, I don't know where the hell he is. At this point, I, I, I just I walk in the studio, and I look to see who's sitting in that. We have, like, a, a cubicle in our bullpen that has, like, News Boss and everything else, right, all the sound and audio and the board and everything. It's all hooked up. So I look to see... You know, well, I'm always here before a producer would get here. But, you know, after I've been here for an hour and a producer shows up, I look to see who sits in that cubicle, and then that's how I know who's producing the show for tonight. So tonight we've got Garrett. So we don't know where Dylan is. We don't know Day-Day. Uh, we've got Garrett tonight. So Best night um, of the week. Yeah, listen, um, it's all good. Uh, and we'll be back with you tomorrow, and I have no idea who the hell's going to produce tomorrow. We'll just show up, and I always put the rundown together and the topics and – I do all the talking, so just make sure we stay on air is all, all I ask out of the uh, the producers anyway. So a lot to get into here this evening. Uh, to quote Jim Ross, we are busier than a fruit merchant here tonight. So obviously this will be my first chance to kind of sound off on what we saw over the weekend for the Atlanta Falcons. Off today, back at it tomorrow as they get ready for what's going to be a very interesting back-to-back on the West Coast. They'll start in L.A. to take on the Rams and then they'll obviously head to Seattle, so they'll stay out there for the week before they come back home to play Cleveland in week four. This is what I said. I was talking about this out in the bullpen. Given what happened on Sunday, and let's say if they go out and for whatever reason they end up 0-2, and you come back here and you're 0-3 to take on the Browns, what's that environment going to look like? What's that crowd going to look like? Are people going to continue to wrap? Because Sunday was a really good crowd. Now, I understand the Saints were in town. They add to that. A lot going on. I get that. But that was a much better environment than we've seen. However, 
when you're for the years 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022, when you are 7 and 18 over the last three seasons plus one game, and one of those wins, by the way, at home wasn't even in Mercedes Benz Stadium. That was over in London, which was a home game. So you've actually only, since 2019, only won six games in Mercedes Benz Stadium. You're going to have a hard time rallying folks with that. Now, 820, I've got a message for Coach. And I know, because we're going to play the quick clip from Sunday night, and he was ticked off and walked away. We'll play his answer to Mark Zeno's question at the press conference yesterday. But I've got, I've got a message that I want to deliver to Arthur Smith. And we know they listen. We proved last year that Dean Pease listens in. Because when he tried to tell me I was wrong about them putting a spy on Jalen Hurts, then he admitted the week after that, okay, yeah, we had a spy on Jalen Hurts. We know that they, we know that the coaches listen, right? So I have a message for Arthur Smith coming up at, at 820. We'll talk more about the Falcons here coming up at 720. But look, frustrating, right? I mean, there's no other way to put it. For, for a team that we know is not going to be 15-2, and two, 12 and 5, 16 and 1, right? We know it's not going to be one of those kinds of seasons. You know, it's not going to be one of those 13 and 3 years like we had several years ago, right? I know there's 17 games now, but I'm saying in the old days, we had that 13 and 3 season, number 1 seed, we're going to play the Packers on Saturday night, right? And we know how that ended, but my point is, we don't it's not going to be one of those kinds of years. And when you get the chance to win a football game, and we talk all the time on this show, it's just, it's those little finite things. It's a little thing here and a little thing there. And it's the difference between winning in the league and not winning. The talent disparity between one team versus the next is not this massive engulf. When Alabama lines up against Eastern Michigan, the talent gap is too enormous, right? There's almost no situation where when the talent gap is that far apart that you can make all of that up unless that team helps you lose, right? If Alabama turns it over four times, fumble it, intercept, unless they help you to win, you're not going to be able to beat Alabama if you're Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Central Michigan, whatever, right? You have to have help and all that. In the NFL, you know, the reason that the spreads are much closer, you don't have 28, 35, you know, and and it was a wild weekend in college football, right? Four teams that were favored by 17 and a half or more points, what, either failed to cover it or lost. The only top 10 team that covered on Saturday was Southern Cal. Wild day in college football. But there's a reason why you have spreads that are, 30, 40, 50 points. You don't have 30, 40, 50 point spreads in the NFL. If you have a spread that's 11, 12, 13 points, that's massive in the NFL. That is like being 50 in college football. So when you have the chance to win a football game, you have to get it done. You have to. And like this, not like it, whatever, it's a results business. It's what's great. What do I say all the time about what's great about the NFL? I can go on ESPN.com, I can click on their NFL tab, I can go on to standings, 
and it tells me what I need to know. I don't have to have a BCS computer. I don't have to have Kirk Curb Street break it down. I don't have to have a selection committee. I don't have to have a Harris poll. I don't have to have any of that nonsense. I can go on ESPN, click on the NFL standings, click on the playoff, and it'll sort the teams by record with their tiebreakers. And that's all I need. You either win or you lose. Everything else in between doesn't really matter. That's for those people to figure out. As a fan, you either win or you lose. They didn't win it on Sunday. In a game they should have won, could have won. Maybe if they played that game ten times exactly as it is, they win eight or nine of those. But they didn't win it on Sunday when, it, when, it, when we needed it. That's what was so frustrating. Now I go out and take on the defending Super Bowl champions. They looked awful on Thursday. They didn't look like the defending Super Bowl champions. And they gave up seven sacks after we picked up four. We'll, we'll get in all the breakdown of what we you – because know, there was a lot of good to take away from the Falcons game. Even in a loss, not, nor moral victory, but there were a lot of good things and trends that went in the Falcons' direction. So we'll break all that down coming up uh, here at, at 720. Uh, Braves tonight continue out on the West Coast in San Francisco. 9.45 first pitch. Uh, Kyle Wright gets the ball nine. Let's see what Kyle Wright looks like. Extra day, had some fatigue, need him to get back on track. Your lineup tonight, Ronnie Dansby Riley. Ronnie playing uh, the D- in the DH spot again. Um, Olsen Darno Harris. Rosario in left, Grossman in right. Uh, Adrianza playing second base tonight. And Kyle Wright, uh, of course, pitching. Tough night last night. You didn't score a whole lot. Look. You played a good team in Seattle, lost two out of three. Could you have won more? Sure. But you lost. The Giants are not a great team, but they're a good team at home, and they played well coming into this series. So, again, I talked about this last week. This is one of those kind of tricky series. Thankfully, the Mets gave you a game last night, so you didn't, you know, you didn't lose any more ground. What are we, game and a half out of first place? You didn't lose any ground last night because the Mets stubbed their toe. But this is a tricky little series, you know, between not so much Oakland, but headed to Seattle. They're fighting for a playoff spot. Giants, you know, are always kind of a tough matchup, always tough at home. You know, and last night was just kind of one of those games. Now, we'll get into some more Braves baseball coming up at the 9 o'clock hour because I'm going to ask you all the same question that I asked Mike and Carl. So we'll talk about that at 9 o'clock. By the way, we've got Ken Segura coming up at 8 or sorry, at 740. We'll talk some Georgia Tech football. Good win. A win is a win is a win, and Jeff Collins needs all the wins he can get. I don't care if they're FCS. I don't care if they're NAIA. I don't care if they're the junior varsity. I don't care if they're a rec league team. I don't care if they're your beer flag football team that gets together on Sunday afternoons. Right now, they just need a win wherever they can, and they got Ole Miss coming up. So we'll talk to Ken Segura coming up at 740. We'll get into some tech football with him. We'll talk to our buddy Aaron Torres. He is out on the West Coast in California from Fox Sports. We'll talk to him at 10 o'clock, talk some college foosball as we'll go around the nation um, with him coming up at, uh, at 10 o'clock. But um, we'll keep you up to date on about what goes on with the Atlanta Braves. Trying to avoid their first four-game losing streak of the season. All right? And look, I, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm mostly interested tonight in Kyle Wright. I'm mostly interested to see if he has a nice bounce back, extra day of rest, Let's see if we get back on track. And, you know, obviously there were some concerns about fatigue and this, then, and the other. So we'll see what, uh, what happens uh, tonight. Um, Atlanta United, 
I was there on Saturday. That was a good victory on Saturday. A, a Saturday night game in Mercedes-Benz. It was a good crowd, a lot of fun. I had to babysit three teenagers, so, you know, that was uh, interesting. My first time babysitting three teenagers, so uh, certainly had my hands full with everything. But good crowd, good match, had the hat trick. You're welcome. So, look, they obviously play tomorrow. Now, we'll be on after the match tomorrow because they play a 6 o'clock match tomorrow. So, I'll be on with you right after the match. So, we'll be on until 11 o'clock, so whatever it is. It might be 8 o'clock when they finish up, right? That's one good thing about MLS is they get through quickly, right? I'll be on with you right after right after the game tomorrow night, and, and we'll react. But at this point, you need all the three points you're going to get. If you're going to be a playoff team, you need all the three points that you can get. And that was a good win on Saturday in Toronto. You may have knocked them out of the playoff picture with that win. But I thought it was a good crowd, good match. There was some excitement in the building. You know, and, and it was fun. It was, a, you know, especially because they scored a whole bunch of goals, right? That's always fun. You know, not not as much fun, you know, for the casual fan when it's one nothing. But that was a fun environment on Saturday. So we'll see if Atlanta United can get back into, you know, get back in their winning ways, and it starts tomorrow in Orlando. Um, quickly, want to mention too, what does it say about the state of Georgia football that? Alabama beat Texas. Now, understand, I know that they didn't beat them by a large margin, but they still beat Texas on Saturday. Georgia beat an FCS team on Saturday, handled their business, and they still jumped Alabama. What does that tell you about where the state of Georgia football is and what the perception is of Georgia football right now? That Alabama, even in a close game, beats Texas. Georgia beats an FCS team. And still jumps Alabama. They wouldn't have done that three years ago. Three years ago, that same scenario, they would not have jumped Alabama. Now, off the national championship and where this program is, they are right there as far as best programs in the country go. Thought that was very interesting that Georgia jumped Alabama to head back to number one, where they deserve. Georgia's playing as well as anybody, right? Should be a good matchup in South Carolina. They're going to be, they're going to curb stomp. South Carolina coming up this weekend. All right, when we come back, my thoughts about what we saw on Sunday. It's all next. Chuck Green, the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game, honestly.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at the John Chuckery Show, live in the Key Studios Tuesday night with you. 404-741-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 92.9 the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll talk some Georgia Tech football with Ken Segura coming up in 20 minutes from right now. All right, so my first chance to react to everything that we saw on Sunday. Now, look, um, it's a loss. So that's the first thing. Let's not get it twisted. There's a lot of good things to talk about, but it's a loss in a game you should have won. Not could have, should have won.
can't get outscored 17-3 in the fourth quarter of a game where you got a lead and you let them come back. So let's start with Marcus Mariota. He was fine, but let's put it like this. You saw times why Marcus Mariota was the number two pick in the draft overall. You also saw times why Marcus Mariota's on his third team in seven years. And that's Marcus Mariota. He's got the talent and can do some things, but consistently and when you need it most, it's not there. Not blaming Marcus Mariota completely for this loss. There's plenty of blame to go around, but he's not making play. He's not going to make enough plays for you to help you win games when you need it. It's just not. That fumble was a killer. Well, they should have gone for it. I don't know. That's a separate discussion. Then you can't fumble it on third and one on third and one when you need a first down to basically try to ice the game at that point. Can't do those things. Fumbled earlier in the game. Passing-wise, he was fine. Six and a half yards in attempt. That's nothing to write home about. 20 of 33, that's fine. 215. No touchdowns. Didn't throw a pick. That's fine. Sort of was what he was. Yeah, had some good runs and stuff like that. And, and he'll be broken in half come week eight or nine if he continues to have 12 rushes per game. You're not going to survive in the end. Look, most quarterbacks... Please don't bring me up to Lamar Jackson. Don't, don't give me the one exception to the rule of everything. And even, even Lamar Jackson has said, I have to be better in the pocket. I have to learn to navigate in the pocket. You have to be able to throw and push the football downfield in the NFL. You have to be able to do that. You have to be able to stand in the pocket and push the football downfield. That's really what the NFL game is. The NFL game isn't 50, 60 runs. It's you got to push the football downfield. And I thought when they needed him to make some big passing plays, it wasn't there. I thought it was an okay performance. Cordell Patterson, I thought he had a magnificent game. Career high in carries, right? And that's the other thing. 22 carries, 120 yards, five and a half yards per rush. Fantastic. And the touchdown. He looked like Earl Campbell at times running out there. But he's all that puts him on pace. For 374 carries. You think he's going to last if he had to carry the ball 374 times? This isn't Jamal Anderson of 1998 setting the NFL record. And, well, I'll I'll, I'll save the other part. Well, no, I won't. Let's go ahead and get into it. Okay? No more Tyler Algier inactive. I don't want to hear from my coach talking about big tight end packages and this and the other. No more Tyler Algier on on the inactive list. With all due respect, I don't care about Damian Williams. I don't care if Damian Williams is, is here. He's going to be hurt. He ain't gonna. He is what he is. He's a journeyman running back. You want him on the, the roster active on Sunday? Fine. But you can't have Tyler Algier inactive anymore because Cordero Patterson is not going to carry it 374 times in an NFL season. He will not last. He got banged up last year and carried it 150 times. He's not going to more than double his career high in carries and think that everything's going to be okay. Tyler Algier is going to have to get in the mix running the football for them, and that starts on Sunday. No more inactives for Tyler Algier. He didn't draft him to make him inactive. If he's hurt, tell us he's hurt. If he's not, line him up. Same thing with Drake London, line him up. 
But Patterson had a monster game, and he did at times. He would look like it was Earl Campbell out there running. If you initiate a lot of contact in the NFL, that's also how you get hurt. But was a fantastic performance by him. And Mariota had a lot of – I think Mariota ended up with – I think the Falcons had the second most designed runs for a quarterback in the league. But I've seen enough of Damian Williams. Get me Tyler Algier out there. Defensively, I thought the defensive line was outstanding. Four sacks. Look, that's all a net results business. Did you sack the quarterback or not? They made Mariota's life miserable. Or not Mariota. They made Jameis Winston's life miserable. They had him off rocker, off kilter, knocking him around, knocking him to the ground. The defensive line I thought was fantastic. Had Bacchetti, Grady, Carter, even Taquan Graham. I thought their defensive line did everything. He told me we could have four sacks a game. What do I tell you guys all the time? 40 sacks. I'll tell you if we have a, a really good defense or not, if I see 40 sacks up on the board. You have 40 sacks, you'll be a good defense in the NFL. Because what will you do? Say it together with me. You will change down and distance in the NFL when you sack the quarterback. And they made Winston's life miserable until until the fourth quarter. And then it felt like they took their foot off the gas pedal. Now, I know Mike Rothstein, our buddy, put out some numbers about how many times they blitzed in the fourth quarter, this and the other. But you can't tell me you watched that defense and think that they were as aggressive on Winston, who, by the way, Jameis Winston, to his credit, in that fourth quarter, had a perfect passer rating. His fourth quarter quarterback rating was a perfect score. So, for whatever reason, we didn't get after him enough on there. Okay, that's something Dean Pease is going to have to answer coming up on Wednesday, I believe, is his press conference. Right? No, is he went, no, he's Thursday. Right? Tomorrow's Arthur and Thursday is Dean Pease. So Thursday. Dean will speak to the media on Thursday. He'll have to answer that question. I hope somebody's going to ask it of him. Because it seems like they were making life miserable all game long. And then that fourth quarter when they dropped back into soft zones and then they got the quick touchdown, it just wasn't the same defense. A.J. Terrell got picked on. He's got to be better, right? He got picked on. And look, I understand how good Michael Thomas is, but you have to be our shutdown corner. And guess what? You think it's going to get easier on Sunday? Because that dude who, who was the Super Bowl MVP – the most he was the uh, offensive player of the year in the NFL, and he had the best season ever by a wide receiver last year. That's who you get on Sunday, and then you follow up with Tyler Lockett coming up the week after that. You're gonna face a oh, and you know you're gonna face a lot of good. Then you got Amari Cooper coming in the week after that. You're always gonna have a top flight wide receiver. Need AJ Terrell to be better out there. Now. Let's talk about the wide receivers for a minute because this is where I get frustrated, right? Oh, Drake London had five catches, 74 yards. Pitts had 19 yards. Okay. These are the numbers that matter, okay? Kyle Pitts and Drake London combined for two catches on the New Orleans side of the field. Let me repeat that. Kyle Pitts had one catch. Drake London had one catch on the New Orleans side of the field. Forget red zone and all that other kind of stuff. Just on their side of the field, 
Those guys caught one pass each. Garrett, ask me how many red zone targets Drake London and Kyle Pitts had combined. How many red zone targets? Zero. Ooh. That's not good. They had no red zone targets. Kyle was targeted at the 25-yard line a couple of times. They had zero. So for everything that I've been sold about, wait till we get London and Pitts and this and the other, okay, well, we got to start using the damn players if they're going to be out there on the field for what we need them to do. And it's not a building process. And all. This is the NFL, folks. This is you got to get it figured out week one because these games all count. I'm not trying to build my season into eventually we'll get good enough to win a few games. You got to win now. And that game was right there in hand. And those guys didn't have a red zone catch, didn't have a red zone target, and caught two passes on the New Orleans side of the football field. Well, their quarterback. It's not just their quarterback, guys. Kyle Pitts had two catches on seven targets. That's the trend from last year. And Arthur Smith was selling us on, well, you know, Pitts affected the game with his blocking and all. What? My number four overall pick is getting complimented for being part of the blocking on my offense as a pass catcher? You think that's what we as fans want to hear? Well, thank God Pitts was in the blocking game for us. You know, all this talk about what we're going to do, you had chances. And we, for whatever reason, didn't dial it up, couldn't get the right play, whatever. That has to change not in a month, not six games from now, not when we put up our Christmas tree. That has to change on Sunday the 18th. Sorry, yes, the 18th. Sunday the 18th. All of that has to change. Because at some point, we got to get it going and get in a rhythm with these guys. If you tell me we're drafting two pass catchers in the top 10 in back-to-back years, and then we don't target them one time in the red zone in a game we lost, where your only touchdowns were... You're running back, running like he's Earl Campbell, and your quarterback diving in from two yards. You got to fix that now. Now. Not six weeks from now. Not when I carve my turkey. Not when I put up my Christmas tree. Now. So there are lots of good things. Defensive line. Now, our offensive line, they were outstanding. Garrett, ask me who had the highest pro football focus pass blocking grade on their offensive line. Who had the highest? Elijah Wilkinson. Ooh. At an 81.3. So, remember last year when I railed every single week about why are we keep trotting out Stephen Means, Dante Fowler, Matt Hennessy, Jalen Mayfield. And when I said you could put anybody in the league in over Jalen Mayfield and it would be better. And his replacement had the highest pass blocking grade for this team. 
Didn't it look a lot different when you don't have all the trash and the bums and the muck and the mire and the sludge out there? When it's not Jalen Mayfield mucking it up, Stephen Means not getting nothing done? You see how important personnel is? And why when I said, draft Panay Sewell, draft me Micah Parsons, do that, you know, that's why. You know why the Falcons were in that game? Because their offensive and defensive lines played outstanding for three quarters. They got after the quarterback, sacked him, and opened up holes in the running game and protected their quarterback. I think Mariota was the least hit quarterback in the league on Sunday. That's why you can stay in games. You can run the football effectively. You can block and you can sack the quarterback. You can be in every single game. Doesn't mean you'll win every game because that's where it gets to my quarterback's got to make a play. I need more than one running back. I need my two top 10 drafted pass catchers to be red zone threats. I need all of those. I need my number one corner to cover better. Because all it takes is a play here, a play there, a missed play here, and you go from we're winning this game to, oh, crap, what happened? And that's what happened on Sunday. So a lot of good things to build off of, but there are some things that have to change by Sunday. Today is what, Tuesday? It's an off day. By Sunday, there are some things that have to change or it's going to be the same story that we write every week. All right, Ken Segura, we'll talk some Georgia Tech football with him when we get back. Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Right Now to the Game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show. Live in this Tuesday evening as we get ready for another busy weekend of college football here, especially locally as Georgia Tech going to take on Old Miss, a very interesting ACC-SEC matchup. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our buddy Ken Segura. He, of course, covering all things Georgia Tech for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com is where you can check out all of Ken's work. Follow him on his Twitter page at at, excuse me, K Segura, AJC. And Kenny, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. A new season of Georgia Tech football, so always good to talk some uh, tech with you. For sure, yeah. Thanks for having me on, John. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, where we're at. You know, this may not be fair, but this is kind of what I've talked about is it really does feel like everything is on Jeff Sims' shoulders this year, that they're going to go – as far as they can take him. And I know they got to run and play defense. I get all that stuff. But it does feel like Sims is the real X factor to whether or not this will be a successful or another frustrating season for Tech football. Uh, I'd agree with them to, some, to, to a degree. I mean, I think, too, I guess it, it kind of goes hand in hand. But certainly I think the biggest change that Jeff Collins made uh, with his coaching staff was getting rid of Dave Patnode and hiring to belong and so I think you know it, sort of his job to belong is 
you've got to come in and, and make this offense work. And so obviously a big piece of it, he's piece of it is Jeff Sims, but um, you know, his play calling, his scheming and stuff, I think is a, is a big part of it too. But certainly, yeah, there's, you know, a lot on Jeff's shoulders, Jeff Sims' shoulders also. How much do you think the offense is involved now that you have Sims uh, that's what, in his third year uh, with the program? You know, mm-hmm. he's still their second leading rusher, but how much do you think that the offense itself has evolved now here at this point under Coach Collins? Um, I mean, I think you look at it, it does look a bit different. And obviously we're only two games in with, with Chip Long running things. You know, he's He's a lot of different form, you know, personnel packages. It seems like he's, you know, he had a good game plan, as good a game plan as he can have against uh, Clemson and that defense. Um, you know, for instance, like you know, they um, in the third quarter against uh, Western Carolina, you know, the game was essentially out of reach. But you know, they put out uh, basically Paul Johnson's old double slots formation, which is something you know, obviously, is kind of. Uh, out of left field a little bit, and I, my guess is, you know, he was like, "This let's see, this works," and and whether it does or it doesn't, we're going to give Ole Miss and every other team, you know, more to have to to deal with, you know, as far as having to spend practice time and game plan time on it, and so things like that, and just you know, just it seems like he's getting guys in the right spots and, and putting guys in, in space, as they say, and so um, yeah, it's it, I think it is taking a step. You, you kind of wish. You could have seen what he could have done with with uh, Jameer Gibbs in the backfield, um, and and probably a better line. But uh, but yeah, I think it's it's you know we'll see whether how the numbers freak out just because I think personnel is different. But I think it's it's moved forward in, in the third year. Talking some Georgia Tech football with the Atlanta Journal Constitution's Ken Segura here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Dante Smith, a guy who already is at a third of the carries that he had last year and already at half the carries from the year before. It seems like that his career as he's progressed and now he's in that you know fourth year with the program, really getting a chance to be the lead back. Really good yards per attempt number, some touchdowns already. Seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to be a, a really nice piece for this offense moving forward. I think so. I mean, you know, last year and, and- – Years before, he was behind Jemias Griffin and, and Jordan Mason and uh, obviously Jameer Gibbs. But when he got the ball, he, he made stuff happen, and uh, and so that's that's carried on this season. He you know he, he got a nice mix so he, he can run. He's fast, but he's also agile. Can you know make guys miss, but also has some, some strength to break tackles. Um, and so yeah, you, you've seen that. I, you know, it's, it'll I'll be I'll be curious to see what happens. If memory serves, I think. Dylan McDuffie actually started against Western Carolina. I don't think Dante started either against um, Clemson, but he certainly has gotten the, the bulk of the carries, has, has earned them, certainly. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I assume this will continue just because he's been so productive. But, uh, yeah, he's he's having a nice season. And the funny thing is, like, yeah, ever the big deal everyone made last year was about junior leaving, but also Jordan Mason is now in the NFL. He's on a 49 roster. Uh, Jemias Griffin transferred out, too, and, at Oregon State, so he was he was the number three, three and a half, I guess, three guy. But uh, so he yeah, he's made a a good jump, and so far, just you know, in two games, has shown that he uh, deserves that spot. Ken, we always like to talk about the wide receivers. I'm a big fan of Malachi Carter. I think I, I think he's a really nice player, and with him, mm-hmm. with Jenkins, McCollum's, it feels like they have a pretty good group of wide receivers, not just kind of one guy and a bunch of just kind of hangers on. It feels like as right. a group that this is a, a pretty productive group that they have. 
Yeah, um, Malachi Carter uh, has been productive, not always super consistent, but you know can can go get the ball. Um, has made it you know a lot of big plays for for Tech over the last couple of years. Um, EJ Jenkins, a transfer from South Carolina, uh, certainly you know you, you notice his size is six seven, I think he's two forty two forty five, um, and can be a matchup problem. And then Nate McCollum, uh, a slot receiver, has been probably their number one guy you would say over the first couple of games. Um, so those three, yeah, you feel like they can make plays for you. I'm sure if you compare them with other threesomes across the league, you'd find better ones. But, you know, I think they can they can do the job. Um, you know, actually Jeff Collins said today that, you know, he's, and I think they're, they're um, happy or, or content is this other word, but they feel like Nate's the number one and they need some more guys to be a little more consistent, I think, in making plays from an offense. And obviously, too, some of that, is on Jeff Sims' shoulders and on Alvin Lyon's shoulders too, but um, but yeah, I think you're. I think they're hoping that someone like Malachi or EJ can really become a consistent force in that off, in that offense. Ken Segura from the Atlanta Journal Constitution joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline as we talk some Georgia Tech football. You know, Ken, they've already got seven sacks this year, and you know, if we go back in Jeff Collins' history, his mo is a defense that makes those quote unquote havoc plays, make life right. tough for the quarterback blitzing, doing what you got to do, getting after, creating turnovers and things like that. We've seen little blips and bloops of that over the last couple of years, and especially a couple of years ago, we saw more of that. How much do you think that this defense is getting on track and in maybe getting into what Jeff Collins' identity really is for what he wants out of his defense? Um, I mean, you likely seen, uh, you know, that there's not, Probably enough of a sample size for me to make any, you know, brand judgments. But, but I think certainly the one thing that, or one thing that sticks out is, is Keon White. He, you know, he was a transfer a year ago from Old Dominion and had a lot of hype attending him, and but couldn't play because he was hurt for most of the year. And he's someone that Jeff Collins talked a lot about in the preseason, is being excited to see him play and using kind of that. You know, like he's not Jeff isn't someone that typically talks about players like that, but I think he's indicating that you know he could be something. Special, and I think he's he's, he's so far in, in two games at least he's, he looks like he's someone who's going to cause problems for proposing offenses off the edge. Um, so that's that's a good thing for for the defense. Uh, Charlie Thomas is another guy who's who's really, uh, you know, been been kind of a guy that's hard to take your eyes off of, just making plays all over the field. He's he's only been able to play you know two two halves because of a targeting penalty. But, um, but yeah, so I think you have those two pieces and. It looks like maybe the defensive line is going to be a little better than you thought. Sylvania Anjouin is a guy that has been making some plays. Um, and so many guys inside are also noticing a little bit. Um, you know, before the facts were against uh, Western Carolina, and you take that with a grain of salt. Actually, three of them were against Carolina, Clemson, which is significant. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think that this game Saturday against Ole Miss will – will tell a lot more about kind of really both sides of the ball, but particularly that he's in the side against a really, really explosive offense in Ole Miss about what they can do. Let's look ahead to Ole Miss. Uh, Lane Kiffin not announcing yet who his starting quarterback is going to be, but one thing is for sure, mm-hmm. they have a premier elite running back in Zach Evans back there. How much is, you know, for lack of a better term, and I'm, I'm not saying that this is the most accurate term, but selling out against Zach Evans, you can't let him go out there and beat you because he's that kind of player. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I think Andrew Sacco, the way he approaches defense, and this is obviously coming from 
Jeff Collins is that you stop the run first and and, and go from there. And obviously, they, you know, they're, they are aggressive, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it, if, if you can't stop, like you said, if you can't stop the run, then, then you're in a lot of trouble. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not quite well to do defensively, but, uh, but they, they typically play a four or two five. And I would think you would see that maybe, maybe you have, you know, put a lot of emphasis on having your linebackers, you know, Charlie Thomas and ACLA, you know, really committed to, to, you know, slowing down the run game. But, uh, but yeah, uh, if, 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 if they will stop the run, then, you know, that not only doesn't bode well for, for Saturday, but, but down the road, because like I said, I mean, they did well against, um, Against uh, Western Carolina, they actually played pretty well against against Clemson too. But but this will be a good test, and they'll they'll see plenty more good running backs down the line. So this will be a, a good measure of what they can do. You know, Ken, is we, you know, last question for you here. When we kind of look mm-hmm. at this season, um, you know, lots of questions about Jeff Collins and what his future is going to be with the program. And you know, I've said. Not so much this week, but, you know, the Central Florida game, um, who just lost mm-hmm. on Friday night to uh, Louisville. And, right. you know, that's the swing game to me because, you know, Pitt, Old Miss here. We obviously had Clemson already. You knew you were going to beat Western Carolina. But, you know, if you can find a way, I think, you know, to beat Central Florida and maybe be, you know, two and three, maybe let's say worst-case scenario – in your first five games, I feel like that's okay. But if they get off to a one and four start, which is definitely possible mm-hmm. given the way the schedule mm-hmm. is, can Coach Collins survive that? I mean, can he survive if they're one and four? Forget how they've played. I mean, one and four is still right. one and four in a season where right. you want to see some progress. Can he survive that? I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's certainly a very valid question. I mean, I, I wouldn't say. No, he's completely safe. Um, but I wouldn't say, you know, for sure it, that's it. Um, I, I think probably some. It would depend on how they how those four games are going. But I think if they get to that point, yeah, they're, they're the heat will certainly be a lot hotter on on, uh, on Todd Sansbury and, and on El Cabrera, the school president, for, to do something because uh, you know, as, as everyone knows, the whole kind of narrative of this is year four and. and they, Got to start showing something. And if, yeah, if you're one and four going into Duke, who now is two and zero and certainly looks better, um, and then you go into the bye and it kind of leaves that window to, to potentially do something. It's yeah, it's it's conceivable certainly. Yeah, I think his predecessor was the one who said at some point the results have to match the expectations. Right, there has to be <laughs> something that goes along with yeah. it. So follow him Remember on Twitter well. yeah. at at K Segura AJC covering all things Georgia Tech for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. AJC.com, by the way, is where you can check out all of Ken's work. Check him out there, and he joined us on the WaitFor.com hotline. Kenny, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes. Yeah. We'll chat again soon. My pleasure. Anytime, John. You got it, John Chuckery. We'll be back. Sports Radio, not the game, and the Odyssey.com app.